Miss Melissa Carpenter has a special this morning.
looks so nice this morning. Look nice. Everybody dressed real nice. Okay. Got uh, my patriotic tie on. Uh, in a minute, we're going to have a video that goes right hand in hand with the message. I have the, uh, normally it's sitting back here with the Christian flag, which the Christian flags and was moving stuff around. I think it's still back there. And, and, uh, and I, September's a tough month now in our country and on Promised Land Church. Uh, there have been several, and uh, even last September, and Miss Patsy, and uh, uh, September's just a tough time. It is. So it's tough on a lot of people. You know, and I think about, uh, in, a, in a tragedy, the worst attack and tragedy since Pearl Harbor on our soil, where an attack has taken lives, an attack that would fill up our cemetery over three times. I was talking to Miss Joanne one day, and she told me there's over a thousand people buried over there in Promised Land Cemetery, and uh, which is, you know, you don't think of them; but they're just kind of that, uh, that close together and that many. But uh, you know, and and I know that uh, not every country can you do what we're doing this morning. And that is worshiping freely. And I know that our, we, we should not lift up our country above our God or our Savior. Because our God and our Savior are preeminent above even our country. As me, and we have some dearly patriotic people as well as I am. But it, it is, I am, I believe, the sentiment of... Uh, sentiment of the majority of everybody in this room and our county and our uh, town that we believe that the United States is still a great country. Even with its problems, even with its shortcomings, it is still a great country. It is a Christian uh, founded nation. And if somebody doesn't believe that we just have some new additions in the library of how our country began by david barton it is fabulous dvds fabulous if you're not a book reader this is for you but it's great our christian was founded excuse me our country was founded as a christian nation so to begin with i would like to ask everyone to stand this morning and just join with me for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Stand with me for a word of prayer. Father, it is a, a tough time in our country, both for individuals as well as the nation. It, uh, there are many in this room that are young enough that they don't recall these events. But may we remember that it was a time that our nation came together and even our leaders stood on the cap steps of the Capitol and sang, God bless America. And I pray that you would. I don't know how much longer we'll be in existence at our present state. But dear Lord, I know things are changing and not always for the better. Father, I pray that you'd continue to be with our leaders, our president, 
our local leaders as well as our national leaders. Father, I thank you for churches all over right now that are just trying to let you know that we thank you even in spite of evil in this world that we love you and trust you. Father, lead us and guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for this time. And as you can see, uh, what I'm about to deal with for just a little while, and appropriately enough, this is the same psalm I used, 9-11-01. Now it's 9-11-11, and I'm having a sermon from Psalm 11, and, uh, which is the same one I used that Sunday 10 years ago. And we'll look at that in just a second. And I want to share with you two videos. It won't take very long. But basically remembering this, that God honors those who say, Dear Lord, I may not understand why you allowed it to happen, but I trust you. I love you. It's not always easy. It's not always clear. But dear Lord, help us to lean on you and in understanding. I'm going to ask Caleb to grab the lights. I'm going to grab the screen. And uh, well, we have a problem. On that day, ten years ago, something happened. Ten years ago was a different be able to define the word jihad. On that day, ten years ago, something happened that changed everything. Ten years ago was a Tuesday. For most of us, our only connection to the events of that day was what we saw on television. However, we are all connected and that we all have a place. For some of us, it's a spot on the highway. For others, it's in an office. Or at coffee with a friend. It's the place we will never forget. The place where we watched it happen ten years ago. So here we are, ten years later, still hurt, still angry, still trying to understand why. 1 Corinthians 13 explains that we don't see things clearly right now. In essence, we just won't be able to understand in this lifetime things like what happened 10 years ago. However, it goes on to say that one day we will see all things clearly. But until that day comes, we have three things to embrace to help us in our reconciliation. Faith in God, unswerving hope, and love. And the greatest of the three is love. Through the shock and the horror, something else happened ten years ago. Although the evil intentions appeared to be a success, our country embraced the complete opposite of what was intended. 
Instead of division, there was unity. Instead of confusion, there was clarity. And instead of falling apart, we banded together. But then again, that's the way one nation under God will always respond. still is a tough time for our country and many individuals that have this question because this question has was asked before 9-11 and that's this question how could God let this happen 
How could God let this happen? There are other unexplainable holocausts. Uh, matter of fact, with Sister Joanne's help, we just had a reminder. There are many generations younger than me that don't know about a book. We just got a new book and a new DVD again in our library called The Hiding Place. Corey Ten Boom, who survived the Holocaust and helped hide the Jews during one of the most troublesome times where millions were slaughtered for the name of pure race in Hitler's regime, the Third Reich. Many asked after that time in history, how could God let this happen? Many asked that. How could God let this happen? In our text, let's look at Psalms. Chapter 11 is not a very long psalm, and we will read that and then move forward. It says, In the Lord put I my trust. How say you to my soul? Flee as a bird to your mountain. For lo, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow upon the string that they may privately shoot at the upright in heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold. His eyelids try the children of men. The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked in him that loveth violence his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire, and brimstone, and a horrible tempest. This shall be their portion, or the portion of their cup. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. God will never forget. It said in that video, may we never forget. God will give to the perpetrators on that day what they've got coming to them. God's judgment will be sure if we trust God. You know what I believe and what I believe the Bible teaches, even though it doesn't matter what Brother Michael believes as much as what it says this book says. I don't think God will make a mistake on judgment day. He is a righteous judge. He's a good judge. He, will, he hasn't made a mistake so far and he will not make a mistake again. In Genesis chapter 3, how could God let this happen? Now think what I'm, I know. Many of you have read this. You've read this. You've read this. Maybe it's been a while. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, we have an enemy that's attacking one of God's loved ones. Adam and Eve. And the devil, in the form of a serpent, Genesis 3, 1, was more subtle, sneaky, tricky, crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And then he begins his assault upon the woman. And it ends with this statement in verse 6. And when the woman saw, well, let me not leave out verse 5. God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes will be open and you shall be as God's. And folks, I want to say right there, people have been trying to be their own God ever since then. I'm just as good. 
I don't need God. I'm just as good as anybody else in this world. And then in verse 6, the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof, did eat, gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Let me ask you this. Did they make a choice that day? They did. One of them, the Bible says in the Old Testament and the New Testament, one of them was tricked, and the other one just did it, knowing what would be the outcome. I ask you, folks, we all have an enemy. You know, and like a video said, one of them, maybe it wasn't this one, I can't remember. But, uh, you know, before that day, I never heard of the word jihad or al-Qaeda. I remember President Bush having trouble saying al-Qaeda on several speeches and whatnot. I'd never heard of these things. And, I mean, this is a lifestyle that you and I in southeast Arkansas had not been exposed to. There are not any Muslim mosques. We do not hear prayer being called five times a day here. But guess what? In New York City, in Detroit, Michigan, in Lansing, Michigan, and a lot of other towns, they're starting to hear the calls of prayer in the Muslim religion. Most Muslims are peaceful. You know, do you, let me ask you this, do you want Promised Land to be identified with uh, David Koresh in Waco? Do you want Promised Land to be identified with uh, Jim Jones and the people that committed suicide in Central America or Mexico or wherever it was? Or do you want us to be uh, uh, neo-Nazi fascism, uh, skinheads? A lot of these are, cons- so to speak, right-wing, wild Uh, so to speak, Christians that do these things. And I know that these Muslims that did this were the extremists of their religion. But their book does teach an opposite message than ours. But it comes down to this, a choice and an enemy. So, folks, you know, I think about God, why you could have stopped Adam and Eve But since Adam and Eve, men have been making wrong choices. I'm talking about mankind. Why is this happening to me? I think about this story, and this is pretty interesting. Still staying in the book of Genesis, the very first scripture that I have for you there is Genesis 37 and verse 23. Now, follow this. Have you ever had this thought come to you? Some of you might have said this out loud. And that is the second point of the sermon this morning. Lord, why why is this happening to me? Why are you doing this to me? So many times, many of us are going through something and we don't understand it all. I, I was listening to, I was in, coming in from East Texas yesterday. I mean, it was, man, it was full. You know, I had, I got to visit my family. We went to the visitation. I preached the funeral. I was the only minister helping. I was working. I was doing. It was wonderful to visit with them. I haven't spent the night with my mom in a while. Stopped off in Nacogdoches, Texas. Made a lap around the track. And did all that. Came, just got here. And, uh, in all of that, I was listening to Christian radio as I was finding stations along the way. On the seven-hour journey from Nederland, anyway. And, uh, and I was coming in. Max Lucado says this so many times. 
Uh, he said one time there was a uh, a man uh, that was in his church that was recently divorced. And uh, the man showed up at church with this other lady. I mean, it was right after the divorce. And the first thought that ran through Max Lucado's mind was, how in the world could he come to church, I mean, right after divorce, and all of a sudden he's got this new girl. And then all of a sudden the man and this lady starts heading toward the preacher, Max Lucado. And he said, oh no, now I've got to talk with him and uh, visit with him. And uh, so then he said, uh, Brother Max, I would like to introduce you to my first cousin and her husband. And he said, but the thing is, immediately, what we all do, every one of us have it. And he explained in his little one-minute, 60-second devotion, he said, we all usually make judgments before we have any information. That's the tendency to our flesh. And I love this illustration. You know what he said? He said, all of us are one piece of a puzzle. And God is the only person with the cover to the box. We can't see what the puzzle or the of life looks like. On these days when it's all said and done and all the pieces go together, God is the only one who knows what the box cover looks like. Why is this happening to me? Why did you allow this to happen? I don't understand. We jump to conclusions. We can make presuppositions or judgments about others. And guess what? We do it to God too. God, why are you allowing this to happen? Joseph, he could have said that. Now I want you to just look at this quick scripture in Genesis 37, verse 23 and 24. The Word of God says, And it came to pass when Joseph was coming to his brethren that they stripped him. Joseph out of his coat and his coat of many colors was on him. They took him, they cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty and there was no water in it. Folks, he was, he was trying, they were going to kill his brother. One of them talked him out of it. He was thrown in the pit. He was sold into slavery. He was thrown into prison on false charges. He was accused. He was abused. Yet according to Genesis 39, just two verses over, 39 and verse 2, it says, The Lord was with Joseph. Chapter 39 and verse 21 says, The Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor. So folks, no matter what you're going through in life, God can be with you. And folks, it's no matter whether you lose a loved one or 3,000 people lose a loved one, you have to choose there is an enemy, but it's your choice how to respond to the enemy. We could go, I mean, so many people today are filled with hatred toward Muslims. Yet it was not the religion that killed those 3,000 people that day. It was extremists out of that religion. But it was people. In Genesis chapter 50, the very last chapter of Genesis, in verse 20, Joseph said this to his family. Yeah, you did all this to me. 
But as for you, you thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Our country experienced nationally, probably for, I know, at least a two-week period in some parts of the country closer to two months. We had a national revival after 9-11. There were flags everywhere, patriotism. But God bless America was probably saying thousands of times. Now, some people didn't look at it that way. But a lot of Christians did. Would it have happened without the tragedy? Folks, sometimes it takes a tragedy for us to wake up. You know, uh, the group Mercy Me has a song out. If it takes the rain for me to praise you, Lord, then bring the rain. Some of us will not praise God. The ultimate evil versus the ultimate good. There were two men that were getting ready to take over United Airlines Flight 93, which went down in Pennsylvania that day. Todd Beamer's wife wrote a book based on the last word she heard her husband say as he laid down. I thought it was a cell phone, but in my research I found it was an air phone on those phones that are on the plane, as he set the airphone down, and the last word she heard her husband say was, let's roll. But did you know that's not the first time in history the words, let's roll, came out? Because one day God sent a couple of angels down, and He said to them, it's time roll back the stone and to show the people Jesus is not there. Because when the angels said, who are we going to get to roll? I mean, excuse me, the women said, who are we going to get to roll the stone away? When they got there, it was already rolled away. One writer, one of the gospel writers have, of course, the angel sitting on top of the stone. He's not here. He's risen. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is what it's all about. Our whole church, all of life, and this whole book are summed up in 1 Corinthians 15. Brother Norman, we're going to get ready in just a second, not quite yet. We're going to have a hymn invitation. And folks, I don't know what's going through your heart. I don't know... If you struggle or have struggled with wondering why God allows stuff to happen. But He is in control. And I've got to trust Him whether I understand it or not. Because all I can see right now is Michael Reese's piece of the puzzle. i never seen the cover of the box. But in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1, it says, Moreover, brethren... I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you, which also you received and wherein you stand, by which you're also saved if you keep in memory what I preached unto you unless you believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, how that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, 
and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. He was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of about five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep, which means there's still some of those five hundred people alive today, even as I write this letter to you. And after that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all, he was seen of me as one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, and then I'm not meet or worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Notice verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. And I want to ask you what verse 10 says. If you know Jesus as your Savior, was his grace bestowed upon you in vain? Will you stand for the Lord? Will you say, it won't be on me in vain? He didn't save me just for me to be a Christian that never amounts to anybody, or a Christian that never does tell anybody, or a Christian that never shares, a Christian that never cares. And even if you're struggling this morning, folks, we all struggle with, Lord, why? And folks, God can handle your asking Him. Don't think that, that, folks, many men, many worthy men, and many people bargain with God and say, Abraham, Lord, don't destroy the city if there's 50, 40, 30, 20, 10. Some have often wondered why didn't he go any further. Ask God a question. He's not above it. And we should not be irreverent to God, but He's not above saying, don't worry, I know you don't understand now. But I'll be with you. I'll help you. I'll take care of you. That's right. No matter if you don't understand, I will help you through it. As we prepare for a hymn invitation. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer, Father? I thank you for this time of remembrance we've had this morning. And yes, many, many individuals struggle with that ultimate question. Phrase different ways of why. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why did this have to happen to me? And it's a legitimate question. And God, even through your word, whether it be Abraham or Job or, or, or even Joseph, even when men do evil things, dear Lord, you allow it for good purposes, as Joseph said. You can bring good from the bad. Even when Adam and Eve messed up and plunged us all into sin. You had your Son ready to be our Savior. You already knew what needed to be done, and you sent Him. Father, I thank You for Your love and Your mercy. In Jesus' name, Amen.